Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Talk Wrestling, and this is the Nature Boy Ric Flair Live. Woo! You're listening to Talk Wrestling here on Talk Sports 2 every Monday night and in your fight night feed from Talk Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading, tuning in and listening to the show. And Mania 37 is in the books. We're going to review both nights of WrestleMania. What a WrestleMania it ended up being with two stunning main events. And we've got two stunning guests for you. Coming up a little later in the show, the former WWE host and commentator Renee Paquette. You may have known her as young will be joining the show and before that Alex McCarthy's conversation last week with Bailey. that's all coming up on Talk Wrestling here on TalkSport 2 or the Talk Wrestling podcast I should say from TalkSport 2 uh, I just went into autopilot there I'm Will Gavin Alex McCarthy is alongside me uh, a massive show coming up on the podcast for people today absolutely like the chat with Bailey has been warmly received from what people have seen Online prior to WrestleMania, of course, discussing her WrestleMania status, which ultimately it was a little underwhelming. That's my uh, Stewie Griffin high voice there. Um, So, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, It's great to kind of get her thoughts on that now that we know what we know. Right. Uh, And of course, to speak to Renee Paquette, I had to actually steady myself there from saying young. But Renee Paquette, it's great to get into the nitty gritty of like you know, shows on the network getting cancelled, how you pitch for them, what those discussions are like. She tells us that she was the one that pitched for CM Punk to be on WWE backstage. She actually actively recruited for him. Didn't know that until Renee told me that. So there's lots of interesting little nuggets like that coming out from the multi-talented Renee. And yeah, the wrestling just has not stopped, Will. Great WrestleMania, (laughs) but now we have shows every day. Yeah, we really do have shows every single day of the week. If you're not a regular listener to Talk Wrestling, thank you to everyone that does listen on a Monday night. To the people who listened over Mania Weekend, we had two specials on the Saturday and the Sunday building up to night one and night two. So the reviews you'll hear will be from our regular shows going over night one, then going over night two. Uh, All the people who called in and all the people who downloaded the first edition 
edition of this podcast, which you did in your thousands. So thank you so much. We're here just for some Mania specials right now, but hopefully, if these do well, we'll start to bring you a weekly show with some of the fantastic guests that we get. Before we get into Bailey, uh, Alex McCarthy, two things to very quickly talk about. The Raw After Mania, which felt a little bit flat. And NXT's first show on a Tuesday, which I have to say was a very, very, very good show. Yes, very contrasting shows, Will. Um, the Raw After Mania is arguably the worst Raw they've had after Mania. Arguably. Like, in, in living memory, they didn't really set up any great angles. There wasn't anything particularly hot coming out of it. Uh, Charlotte Flair's promo was good. The Viking Raiders returned, which was cool. The main event between Randy Drew and Braun Strowman. The finish was good, right? Like, Randy had the pin, and Drew comes through with the Claymore. I quite liked it. But other than that, there wasn't a lot going on. The whole Dana Brooke, Mandy Rose retreating from the match, just running away from Nia Jax, and Byron Saxton selling that as, they, they, you know, sometimes it's better to just walk away. What? Is it? Um, I, I don't know. There was a lot of confusion. Uh, I mean, maybe it's sometimes better to walk away from a match with Nia Jax. Just saying. I mean, it, kayfabe, dead. He'd be <laughs> right. Um, but that's the thing. Like, also, we had the Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse return, which is always nice. And he basically said, I'm going to be a new man. Okay. Alexa Bliss says, I don't need Bray Wyatt. And Randy Orton was off in the main event chasing the world title again. So, presumably, all the speculation we made about what might happen with that, they're just dropping it. It's just over. Which... Isn't a bad idea, but it's just disappointing creatively. Um, so yeah, it, it, there's there's really not too much to speak about on that note. Uh, Riddle got squashed by Lashley. That's really what it felt like. It, it just didn't have the buzz, Will. And I don't know. I speculated this yesterday. I wonder if WWE have looked at the last two rules after WrestleMania. You know, you and I have attended those shows, Will. They are great, right? The buzz of the fans, the surprises. I think you know we've been there when. Uh, I've certainly been there when Finn Balor returned or Jeff Hardy, Bobby Lashley debuted. It's great. I wonder if the last two years without fans, they just aren't loading those shows up because it just isn't the same. Well, look, I, I think you're absolutely bang on. I'm hoping that when we have fans back in those shows properly from next year, that that will be the way forward for them. We also had the first Tuesday of NXT. Brilliant to have the women of NXT coming in after, the, obviously, the title win last week for Raquel, but then having Bianca uh, come down to celebrate, having Rhea come down to celebrate was superb. There was some nice advancements and moving on of other angles. Pete Dunne got a, a decent promo. Kushida winning the title, which was Kushida! a surprise. But absolutely loved it. But look, we can't spend too long on this because this is our mania review show. That's the point of being here. That's coming up shortly, as well as Renee Paquette. But first, Al, we're going to hear your conversation with Bailey. And Bailey starts off by telling us about, you know, how it was going into mania at this point. And certainly she'd been pitching for something for mania this weekend. Yeah, um, usually it's, I mean, I've pitched for stuff for this past WrestleMania just because... There's been so many uh, instances this past year where a lot of the pitches have gone through or, you know, it just becomes easier to talk to certain people. And um, my brain actually starts working and developing the more experience I get. So, um, yeah, there's always like ideas like that. I don't know how it goes for most other people, but it's definitely open. It's open. Yeah. I mean, and I think 
although I'll circle back to that, a lot of us were hoping that the Sasha Banks Bailey story might carry to WrestleMania, right? I mean, it's awesome that we've got Bianca Blair and Sasha happening this uh, Saturday. And of course, you've worked with Bianca early this year and Sasha late last year. Um, right. When that story was happening, were you, uh, did you always know that Helena Cell was going to be the end destination or did you think maybe it was going to carry on? Yeah, I thought it was going to carry on a little bit more, you know, but uh, I'm very, very happy with that Hell in a Cell match. And it was so much fun. Yeah. I'm so, so glad I got to do that. Um, but you know what? I do wish it was a little bit more. And I do wish we could have gone on to WrestleMania because I think that's where my heart was. You know, I think I was waiting for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not just saying this. Just because you're here, Twitter will back me up, Bailey. But I had <laughs> the Hell in a Cell as my match of the year last year. I thought it was so awesomely well done um you just touched on it a little bit there let's expand on that like how pleased were you because the pressure right after you've already done the in wwe's mind and many others the greatest women's match in wwe history <laughs> right like they've officially listed that to then follow that in hell in a cell that's a that's huge pressure but man did you guys deliver like what how did you feel about it and what was like the backstage reaction when you got back there um we felt pretty good about it you know so is <clears throat> I did feel pressure. Like whenever we have a match nowadays, I feel like there's pressure because everybody just uh, luckily enjoys the matches. But yeah, yeah, there's always some, some kind of extra pressure when I'm wrestling Sasha. Um, and it, I think a little bit of the pressure came from, it was her third Hell in a Cell match and it was my first. So I wanted them to not just live up to her past matches, but to exceed them and for that to be her favorite one and the fans' favorite ones. So I, I was very... Uh, you know, I was very in my head just trying to think of unique things and just try to, um, without a crowd, which is, you know, so it was so, so hard without fans there. I think it would have been a million times better if we had a live audience. Oh. But um, I think that just made me try and work a little bit harder because you have to get the story across even bigger, you know. Uh, I don't really, <laughs> to be honest, I don't really remember the backstage. I remember TJ, who is our producer, he's very, very happy and he's always so proud of us. And a lot of the women that were there um, in the locker room were very supportive. So it was it was nice. In those moments, like the, a match like that, which I think is such a standout, like does Vincent Mann say something special, maybe like whether it be there and then or, or after? He says a few things. Yeah, we always, you know, go up to him after any match or any segment. Um, and he was really happy with that one. So I don't really remember the specifics, but yeah. I mean, how could he not be happy? Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Happy. <laughs> each other is senseless <laughs> well exactly i mean i we haven't seen you wrestle a lot either lately now don't get me wrong i'm a big ding dong hello fan right like i don't mm -hmm. think we've had enough of those segments but yeah. um in terms of you know th there's no injuries or nothing right are you okay oh yeah i'm fine yeah. february 19th i think is the last time we saw you in the ring and i won right i beat Liv morgan I beat Ruby Riot. At least I went out with a bang. <laughs> Wait, come on. <laughs> don't say you went out. We don't want that. Right, right. No, yeah. No. <laughs> well, I'll just check in. I'm, I'm, you can tell I'm sleuthing for WrestleMania season. I'm like, what's up? What is up? Hey, I'm not the person to ask, buddy. Uh, well, okay, let, let's play devil's advocate then. If you could have a selection now, right? They said, you know, Bailey, guess what? A slot just opened up. Um, what would you look, look to do on Saturday? Because there are some women who still aren't on the card at the moment, of course. I know we're getting the tag team thing, which looks like it's going to happen. But mm -hmm. if you could have a say, uh, what, what would you like to do? 
I would challenge Lita, you know, just wolf Lita's, you know, little behind. And uh, then my childhood could be happy and complete. And then uh, I would jump or I would jump the barricade and slap Michael Cole's headset off a little bit. Tell him to get in the ring. We'll settle it once and for all. I mean, how is, how hasn't it happened is the question. I don't know, but it will. It will. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I mentioned earlier, obviously, uh, just how amazing you guys were during uh, the Performance Center era into the Thunderdome. Um, very sincere, that is. I thought you and Sasha, obviously, were just killing it with all the titles. And the matches were awesome as well. Uh, before I get into some of the specific matches... How fulfilling was that after the first tag title run, which I think you've both openly kind of said wasn't as fulfilling as you had hoped after dreaming the titles into existence in the first place. But this run, man, that showcased a hell of a lot more, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then we still didn't get to do as much as we wanted. But um, of course, we always want more. But it was it was definitely the, the title run that we wanted and definitely the one that we felt that we had the most fun with. We were ourselves. We got to, you know, um, defend them at NXT, um, which brought Sasha back for a match with EO. So, like, you know, we got to do both shows and it was so much fun. It just kind of added to our characters at that time and was a really good point in our career, I believe. Well, when you say you wanted to do more, is there an example of where you wanted to take it? I, I mean, we just would have loved to defend them more and have actual tag title matches. Like, we were willing to do... Um, Raw, uh, Raw women's title matches, SmackDown women's title matches, and SmackDown or and tag team title matches. You know, we wanted to do it all because we're crazy. Um, <laughs> but I think we were a little like we just wanted to be on NXT a couple more times because there's a bunch of girls we haven't worked with there, and uh, we would have loved to take it to NXT UK, which we couldn't because you know can't sure. travel. But um, can't, also, I just got to be grateful. It was still fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. One of my favorite parts of that, and I think I'm not going to be alone, is obviously Asuka and Kyrie Sane. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, that that whole series of variations of that was just so, so good. I want to talk about how you beat Kyrie down, Bailey, and <laughs> sent her packing from WWE. Oh, yeah. I mean, when she's crying out for Oscar, I was like, come on. Like, yeah, you know, my, 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 my heart was pulled, Bailey. Well, you're welcome. I mean, she deserved it. She's a little punk. She thinks she could just run around and hide behind Asuka all this time. Asuka does all the heavy lifting for her. So I decided to help her out and just be like, you know what? Just go back to Japan. Be with your family. Get out of here. <laughs> go on, scram. <laughs> Get out of here. You can't hang with us, the big dogs. (laughs) I mean, uh, you talked about the women you wanted to work with. I'm going to presume that that pairing, you know, you must, you look like you was having a load of fun. Oh yeah. They're just so amazing. They're also, you know, obviously very, very talented. Asuka is one of my favorite people to wrestle, Uh, but Kyrie was awesome too. I got to have that one match against her. I think that was her last match. And uh, she's just so incredible. She's somebody that I've been watching since like, the May Young Classic. So it was cool to be able to do that with her. Also in this stretch of period of time was Extreme Rules. You remember the finish, don't you, Bailey? Was that with uh, <laughs> Nikki? It was you being a referee, nonetheless. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I thought my match was with Nikki. Oh, yes, I do. I what? Well, it's one of my, you know, I'm like Billy Kay with my resume. It's on my resume. I can also be a referee. So yeah. nothing wrong with it. Sure. I mean, did you look at Twitter and that after everyone was like, hmm, was you expecting like so much confusion, I guess? Well, I don't know what I was expecting. I was just trying to, you know, get my girl the championship. It may have not come off the way I wanted to, but it still worked. It still got the job done. 
she came out with a title, man. Like, what yeah. else do you want? Exactly. <laughs> uh, do you know what? And and I know that you have seen a couple of these, um, judging by your interactions on Twitter. Like, so many women, and this is going to obviously kill your character here, speak so highly of you backstage, right? <laughs> the, the role model's a real thing, Bailey. Um, it is. Um, lead by I, example. I've had so many women like Natalia and, and, and many more on SmackDown talk about, you know, what a leader you've become or just, you know, in, encouraging you are to the other women. Um, having seen you talk about your career before, like you haven't always maybe been this confident or comfortable. So like, do you think maybe having that title run and doing what you've done in the company has got you to a space now where you feel like, yeah, you know what, I can help other people too. And it's, I'm not saying that you wouldn't have had that in you before, but you've grown, would you say? Um, I would say that maybe people are just starting to realize it because, because it is something that I, you know, I felt, um, in NXT that was like, uh, when I was the champion there, there was all so many girls that never wrestled before or that were brand new to, um, the performance center that I felt like it was my duty to help them and show them and lead them, uh, and teach them certain things or whatever it is. So I've always felt like I had that quality. Uh, but maybe now I'm just better at showing it or like you said, more confidently showing it um, just because I, I learned from Natalia and Tamina and I see how to conduct myself as a, as a leader in the locker room. So I'm just trying to be that person. Um, I just want to be a role model for everybody. But that SmackDown locker room seems great, right? Like you, you've got a great yeah. mix of women in there. Yeah, it really is. It's the greatest locker room I've ever been in. That's awesome to hear. It really is. Um, I, and I think I do want to ask as well, when you look at WrestleMania this weekend, there's, I think, six matches each night. We've got the two women's title matches and then the tag match, right? Which yeah. three out of 12, I think maybe that's not the greatest. What's your thoughts on that balance? Oh, we could always use more of us. You know, I, I would love to have had a non-title match, just kind of a, a grudge type match. And yeah. something, you know, something that meant, not more than a title, but something that meant something a little deeper than a title, you know? Um, but there's always next year, you know, I'm just so happy that more women are going to be um, represented. And I know that the two title matches are going to be killer. So we can't really be like bummed out about it. We just got to look at the, the bright side of it, I guess. And uh, I, I kind of touched on it earlier. Ding dong. Hello. Right. I love it. I love you bursting through the door. It's, you know, APA vibes. You must come through the door. Um, <laughs> talk to me about like the creation of that. Like who, who said, you know, was it your idea? Does someone come to you and how much fun you've had doing that? Because it looks like you're having fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. Sadly, it was not my idea. It was something that they presented to me and I was very confused. Like, are you sure it's me that you want to have <laughs> their own show? I'm like, all right. Um, but I figured quickly how to make it work. I didn't want it to be, um, you know, I didn't want it to be the Bailey in the ring that's hosting a show. I just found a disconnect to that. Yeah. So I just felt I had to be this completely different type of character as in like a host character. Um, and then when I started thinking like, okay, she's going to be a different woman than the Bailey in the ring. And I just started having fun with it. And, um, the more ridiculous, the better for me, because I just, I mean, I like to be able to say that I can do everything and that, you know, I could have my own show and I can main event uh, matches and shows um, that I could be a champion. So I, this was just a challenge that I, I'm having so much fun with. Uh, last couple for me. How, how did you come up with Ding Dong Hello? Where Did you see it somewhere, get inspiration? No, I have no idea. I, I know 
I don't even know if somebody can find where I first said it. I know I just said it in an interview. I think it was a dot com or something. I just randomly said it and then it kind of caught on when it got posted on Twitter, kind of caught on to the fans and they liked it. So I just kept saying it and now it became a thing. It's all in the delivery. Yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> it really is um last one you know and i asked this question to, to natalia as well and i have done to lana and people like that like um you know and they often talk about women that they've seen really putting in the work who you know they, they want to see good things happen to like who would bailey love to see good things happen to who have you seen chipping away really working hard behind the scenes well i always want to see good things for tamina because she she's always there she's the most loyal superstar that we have you know she she'll freaking leave her kids to go fly on a plane and get to wherever WWE needs her to be to fill in or to do a job or whatever it is. Um, she's the best, which is why, you know, so many women look up to her, but I always say the same people, Peyton Royce, Liv Morgan, Ruby riot. They're just so incredible. And they really do put in the time to get better in the ring and they just love wrestling so much. And we connect as fans um, from when we were kids, you know, telling stories from watching wrestling as kid as kids and then just now if i didn't know any better bailey um after what you just said about Peyton royce i'd think maybe you wanted to give her a moment at survivor series oh no that was all her ah. <laughs> <laughs> she's so great one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 
This is the Talk Wrestling Podcast on the Fight Night feed with Talk Sport. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Hope you enjoyed the chat with Bailey. Brilliant stuff there. Uh, we've got Renee Paquette coming up later in the show. But right now it's time to break down and review WrestleMania 37. Because it's from our specials over Mania weekend, it goes night by night. A night one review and a separate night two review over the next 40 minutes or so. So enjoy. Let us know what you think at Talk Sport at AlexM underscore Talk Sport. And I'm at... Will Gav. Let's kick off with the night one action. Al, night one in the books, and overall, despite a few stumbles, not all on their own heads, I think it went off pretty well. Pretty damn well indeed, William. I mean, as far as recent WrestleManias go, it might be one of the most wholesome, enjoyable, like entertaining cards. <clears throat> that I've had the pleasure of, of 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 sitting through and covering, to be honest. Like, not only did it end in such an uplifting moment, which I know we're going to get into, but there were some great performances throughout the card, some surprising ones. You know, you've got Omos, you've got Bad Bunny exceeding the... Well, it's not exceeding expectations, I guess. It was not knowing what they could or couldn't do. And we sure as hell found out on the biggest stage possible. So, man, I was so pleased with how it played out. And when I actually look at the card for night two... I believe on paper that actually is stronger. So it's like, wow, you know, we, we've had an amazing night one and the best could still be yet to come. Like this could easily go down as the greatest, well, not the greatest, but in the discussion of one of the greatest WrestleManias ever, the, over two nights, it has the potential to do that, man. And I don't think that's hyperbole, Will. I really don't. I'm very pleased with what I've seen. Listen, what what I like about it and what I think is a key point you've made there is that not everything was phenomenal. You know, the tag team turmoil didn't work for me. The, the cage match, I did fall asleep during it. I can't say whether that's because it was three in the morning or because of the match itself. Uh, but look, I felt like it had some great high points and it was a good night overall, but it left enough room to breathe that night two could come out and trump it. And I think with the main event, which is as good as it is for night two, with an opener, if it is going to be the women's title match to open things up, like has been speculated at about... That's an opener that could rival last night. And a card top to bottom, which actually overall looks stronger to me than night one. I think it, it was set up for a brilliant two-night WrestleMania. Just to make the point, guys, that if you haven't checked out our podcast yet, it is on the Fight Night feed for our big WrestleMania preview last week. You can hear our full interviews with Daniel Bryan and with Drew McIntyre. We'll have another podcast for you coming out later this week, which will be from our Monday show here on TalkSport 2. Uh, back on our normal day, not in our normal slot, a little bit later because we've got live Premier League football, but we'll be on Monday night and you'll be able to hear uh, your interview with Renee, Renee Paquette, uh, and we'll have loads of reaction to Mania Weekend there as well. And we've got a huge show for you tonight. Rick Uccino is going to join us again from uh, from Tampa Bay. Tell us what night one was like with the weather delays. Uh, we'll be talking WWE 2K22, a year off. Will that make the difference and will we get an absolute barnstorming game? Plus, ahead of night two, Edge, Rhea Ripley, Big E, Kevin Owens, all on the horizon. Let's um, let's go from the top of the card, shall we, Al? Rather than, I know we could launch it on the main event, we could talk about it being history-making, we could talk about what a barnstorming match it was. Well, we will. I'm going <laughs> to pause, and I'm going to hold, and I'm going to say, let's start off with the fact that we, we came into Mania, we got the big intro, they had all the wrestlers out on the stage, it got pretty emotional, I thought you know, it was a really nice setup for the show, and then we had to wait 40 minutes because of 
because of thunder, lightning, wind and all those other things frightening. Yeah, absolutely incredible, to be fair. Like, sitting there watching Michael Cole and Samoa Joe in their ponchos like they're waiting for a ride at Orton Towers. It was something special, to be honest. Um, I mean, do, I thought it was really... Do you think that's who Samoa Joe would take if he did get his two-for-one out of the sun? Do you think no, I don't. I don't, funnily <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was... Uh, when I, I thought there was a lot of chatter around who would get the first pop. Right, and we know that they are always do sing the national anthem and all that stuff. So, I guess you have uh, America to the Beautiful. In. Don't forget, Vinnie Mac doesn't like the national anthem. Bizarre. Right, anyway, my, my apologies, but yes, you're right. He does have that. <laughs> so weird. So it's it's one of those where I guess the way they did it actually worked out pretty perfectly. Like all of them kind of got to soak in that first that first bit, and you know Roman Reigns was pretty much the only guy who decided to stay in character throughout the duration, but um. Vincent Mann being the guy to kind of welcome everyone back and all that good stuff. I actually felt that it was pretty perfect. Um, it was nice. Even though he that, can't say WWE anymore. Well, he can't really say much. He's very gravelly, isn't he? Very, <laughs> It was very more gravely. the pronunciation of the W's. It was da 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 being the first guy to come out properly, I thought was was awesome. Great for Drew. And him and Bobby went on to have a great match. Now, before we get into that properly, there was some awkwardness with the promos that they began with, right? Like, Bobby and Drew were obviously killing time. And they had MVP in between them going like, no, guys, don't fight yet. And well, then they're just it, like, it, the camera just stuck with them. And they had to like just do all this. Oh, I'll kick your ass. Well, yeah, I'll kick your ass. And it just went back and forth. Like, yeah, come on now, guys. Um, I, I did think business picked up when Kevin Owens got on the mic. Definitely. And I thought New Day did a great job, too, with the Big oh. E return and all that stuff. So I, I do think it got saved. But the, the beginning embers, certainly with Shane McMahon and... The Lashley McIntyre stuff, I was a bit like, ooh, this is off to a rocky start. I thought Kev Patrick backstage, I thought Sarah backstage, I thought Kayla with the, the setup crew. I thought everyone did a pretty brilliant job of filling time. And, and I, I think that you can't be too harsh on the guys who had to go first because it was literally a case of, right, we've got a delay, get out there, start talking. And I thought yeah. that actually Drew and Bobby, considering that they shouldn't oversell, considering their match was on the on the very near horizon, they, they did a pretty decent job. But you're right, KO was absolutely superb. Big E and all of his wet mouth chat uh, oh. was sensational. Uh, I just, you know, great entertainers entertain and, and I thought it was brilliant and then we got into that first big meaty men slapping meat match and it was everything I wanted it to be yeah exactly yeah I mean first of all you're right the, the right people stepped up for WWE at the right time like you you saw who, who you could count on there but also yeah into the match for, for Bobby Lashley and Drew that is exactly you, you've already perfectly described it it is just two huge blokes very athletic we know the chemistry they've got together and they brought it once again like drew doing the tope suicida to the outside i was just like wow go on drew uh i don't think i've seen him do that in in, in either a long time or ever so that was a very cool spot and I, I just felt like the two of them had really good chemistry it was the narrative of the story was essentially lashley trying to cinch in the hurt lock and, you know, Drew was kind of fighting his way out of that and he seemed to be getting the upward momentum. But then when he finally did clasp it on, and I love a good submission, Will. I'm very guilty of this. I don't know if guilty is even the right word. I like a submission 
to be powerful. If it's mm. going to be like your finish, it should finish people. Either, either don't get it on, right? If if you're going to lose the match or they, you're not going to beat them. Because, you know, like the Walls of Jericho, how diluted did that get down the years? So like, who taps out to the Walls of Jericho anymore, right? But in its prime, for instance, the Crippler Crossface put everyone away. So I like that about the Hurt Lock. It, it, if, if he gets it on you... That's it. You're done. And, and You're Drew good. did a they they did a brilliant job of selling Drew powering out of it a couple of times, not letting him lock the fingers. Yeah, I think for as much as I I find Michael Cole treads on moments sometimes, I thought on this occasion he really sold that element of it really well. Um, yeah, it I was it was really well done, and I think it was the right result in a way. As much as I called you a Judas for not wanting Drew to to get that third title win in front of oh, a crowd now, for the first time. Now you want to come back round, huh? No, now you want to be like, on Team Alex. Listen, it was the right <laughs> booking choice. It doesn't mean it that it was the it choice was. I wanted. Um, but I'm, well, that's, I'm how I, that's how I felt all along. To be fair. I'm, with I'm ready for Drew. I'm ready for Drew to build his way back up, to finally overcome Lashley, to do it in front of fans when he gets to. That's fine that that moment wasn't last night. He's still got the entrance. He's still got the pyro, the pomp, the circumstance and everything that came with it. And I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it was still a, it's still a massive moment for Drew. Like, I don't think losing hurts him here at all. It was a great match. He's not done from the title picture. I just hope that Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar is on the horizon. At some point this year, if you're going to let Lashley have a reign, I really hope it's heading in that direction. But next up, Will, we got the match that you just said that you did not enjoy very much, and I think universally it was the least strongest. That's the nice way I'm going to put it. Uh, match on the card. Now, I had said I had a feeling that Tyler and Tamina would win, but when they won, I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, right. Because as the match was going... I was kind of pulling for the riot squad, Will. Yeah, I, I was as well. I thought that was the direction they were going to go with it. Of everything that's on night two that I'm not excited about, it's Natalia and Tamina against Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Like, actually, give me a one-on-one Shayna Baszler and Natalia match, and I'd probably quite enjoy it. But sure. uh, the the yeah, it, this was the low point of the card. Um, I don't think anyone on earth was clamoring for the match that we're going to be getting on night two. It just didn't work for me. The, like, the match itself had some okay spots, had some entertaining moments, and bits of, that got over with me. Well. But it had some really sloppy stuff as well, and it was it was by far the the lowest rated thing on the card. I'm on my own. Against the wall, the pressure's building, but no, I will never fall. But the music is the music you heard hitting and closing night one of WrestleMania 37. Alex McCarthy. I can remember coming on this show a year ago. I can remember talking about the possibility of a Bianca Belair debut. I can remember we talked about how big she could be on the main roster. She is now the SmackDown Women's Champion. And deservedly so, man. Like uh, it was such a good decision from WWE to have Belair be made last night because Sasha Banks did such an amazing job of accentuating her strengths, making her look like the superstar that she is. Uh, you know, it takes two to tango. And although Bianca Belair is a specimen, she is incredible. Uh, the way that Belair, you know, posted for her in those vertical suplex segments and oh. the gorilla press up the up the steps. Like if you actually watch Sasha. The control she has over her body in those moments is just incredible. Sensational. Um, I, it's so like to the untrained eye, I think it's really understated uh, how great Sasha really was in that match. All of the spots that really 
brought out and shone on the power of Bianca Belair, man. I mean, that was amazing where Sasha Banks did the suicide dive. Uh, Belair catches her, rolls through, walks with her in gorilla press up the steps mm-hmm. and then throws her in the ring. Like, there were so many kind of ebbs and flows in this match that all seemed to result in uh, Bianca Belair showing off the best of her arsenal. You know, two 450 splashes, one hitting, one not. It, it was just honestly an amazing showcase for the women. I, was, and I, I, I don't know if this is hyperbole, Will. I don't. But I said... I feel like that is in the discussion. I'm not saying it's cemented in the top five. It is in the discussion for top five WrestleMania main events ever. Now, I had some people I, I think, comment back. I'm, Go on. I'm, I'm going to tell on. you. So I'm going to tell you why I think that is. It's in that conversation, but part of the reason that it's in that conversation is because you're talking main events purely, not matches. You know, you don't... You know, Taker Michaels, the first iteration wasn't the main event, for Correct. example. Uh, you know, Brett Stone Cold wasn't the main event. And the people have gone, top five mania matches all time! No, but it's not. It's about the closing moment. It's about the making of somebody. It's about the build. It's about everything that goes with that. And I loved it. And, and look, I fell asleep during the cage match. I told you this earlier. Yes. I knew that Bianca Belair won before I got to watch the match, which I was gutted about, but you kind of couldn't massively avoid it. And I, cause I had to watch it back this morning and I just couldn't go on the, the sports blackout cause we had show to plan and we had things to do. That maybe took away from it slightly for me because I knew how it was coming. And actually, I think if I was to take anything away from the match, I almost thought that Bianca was too strong. I actually thought that Sasha should have got more in um, because I thought like it was almost a bit one-sided to be, to Bianca. But the fact that I still got as into it as I did, despite knowing that they were going to pull the trigger and they were going to put her over, I, I thought it was really superbly done. I thought the final moments were, were absolutely fantastic. And look, everyone's seen it at this point but the video going around social media that a fan has filmed yeah. of of Sasha just unable to hide her grin. And you were mentioning about things that Bianca did well. Her selling was phenomenal in this match as well. Yes. I, yes. But Sasha couldn't even, like, keep selling. She was so pleased for her. She like, got off camera, thought she was safe. Somebody obviously yeah. caught her on her camera phone, but she was delighted at putting Bianca Belair over. And I thought that really just showed how much respect this woman has gained in her first couple of years in WWE and how just massive of a star she's going to be. It's just so awesome to see that video. It really was. It was tremendous. Um, But yeah, like, as you said, Bianca Belair selling, like when Banks had her in the bank statement and she wrapped her braid around her arm so that she couldn't escape and stuff like stuff like that is so good. Uh, And then of course we got the braid shot, which literally sounded like a gun going off. When she when she hit Banks, right? Like, louder than her theme song. Uh, and, 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 you know, you think, oh, you know, that's cool, whatever. But, like, then you actually see the welt that Banks had on her ribs. Like, damn, how thick is Belair's hair? That stuff Mad. must hurt so bad. Um, so, I, again, there were so many, like, high moments in the match that were really well done. Uh, and then, obviously, we went into the KOD and Belair gets the one, two, three. But there was, I gave it high praise. There was a couple of people that said, oh, it's, you know, it's not even in... Uh, somebody commented and said it's not even in the top seven women's matches this year, which is maybe the worst take I've ever heard. They were like, well, you know, th- there's probably five better matches in Stardom this year. That is rubbish! I know Stardom has good <laughs> matches, but listen... 
that's definitely someone doing the New Japan voice. It, I it, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wanted you to do the... and stardom the street. There you go. That's what I wanted from you. Yeah, I mean, it's it, like obviously there's great women's wrestling and stardom. But that's such a mark thing to say, isn't it? Like, uh, it's, it's, so, like listen, the the stage, the stage where you do it, the significance of the match, how you deliver, all of that is important. If you knock it out of the park at WrestleMania, I don't care what you do at stardom. I don't care what you do on a you know a great progress show at Ali Pali whatever like they all matter but the point is that is like the apex of wrestling to knock it out of the park there it's the same as doing it at Wrestle Kingdom whatever like you can't then go oh but this was a really good match that they had no I don't have that even people saying for some reason as well and you know how toxic it can be there was like a direct comparison of well it wasn't as good as Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker well one yes it was two they are completely different matches, like entirely different, it, it, like it, at their core, stylistically. One is like hardcore, all blood and guts. The other was like, you know, historical moment with two women kind of trying to shine and trying to reach the very apex in such a significant moment. Like they are completely different. Uh, so I, I just think, can't we just, you know, let them s- smell, smell the roses for what an amazing match it was in, in such a significant spot, I think. Yeah, I I agree with you in everything that you've said there, Al. And look, we we will have more time to to break down the significance on uh, on Monday. We'll be getting more guests on on Monday and maybe taking some calls as well from you guys listening yeah. in. So definitely tune into the reaction show on Monday as well. But look, we've marked out. We've got guests coming on. Rick Uchino, we've got to break down the whole of night too. So we don't have a lot of time here. Maybe four or five minutes to look at the rest of this card. <laughs> wow. Therefore. I'm going to say we don't need to talk too much about the steel cage match. Him ripping the cage off was kind of cool. I'll hand that. Outside of that, didn't care. You uh, pretty much summed it up. <laughs> to, to, talk mean, to me about the uh, the, the two debuts, uh, Omos and yeah. Bad Bunny. There was a bit of a feeling that maybe the Omos match and the steel cage and a few others got less time because of, and maybe Cesaro Rollins as well, because of the weather issues. I actually thought it made for a nice tight mania when you went top to bottom that some things didn't need more than 12, 13, 14 minutes as a feature match. Well, yeah, only three, only three matches went over 15 minutes. So that tells you everything you need to know. But in terms of... I mean, first of all, you you pretty much hit the nail on the head with a cage match. I did, you know, we we got the Shane McMahon off the top moment that we all expected, and you know, if it didn't happen, everyone would go, "Well, what was the point?" So <laughs> I'm glad we got that. <laughs> but in in terms of AJ Styles, almost, uh, you know, it was a very textbook match where Styles was just worked over by the New Day because they didn't want the monstrosity almost to get in. Uh, and that was basically the narrative of the match for maybe six of the nine minutes that transpired. And then, of course, almost does eventually get in. And once again, WWE just used him exceptionally well. He's just an absolute beast. Uh, they couldn't move him. He was totally dominant. They did some cool stuff with AJ Styles, of course, coming off his shoulders with the phenomenal forearm. It was really good. I, I thought they used him exceptionally well. I- the only thing I came away was, like, Jesus, how are they actually going to ever have him beaten? He's just this absolute behemoth. And he moves better. You know, he did some running stuff into the turnbuckles. He's seven foot two, legit, or seven three. He moves better than a great Carly did, you know? Yeah. Like, he moves better than most people do at his size. So he seems like he has a high ceiling. So, again, that was a success. For Bad Bunny, oh, my God. Like, he blew everyone away, right? Like, he his selling it wasn't just the fact that he did like a canadian destroyer on the outside or a splash like obviously those things are exceptionally cool 
But his selling and general ring work with the arm drags and kind of just his positioning and how fluid and smooth. And a lot of credit does have to go to Miz and Morrison, right? They they played their oh, part absolutely. there. Yeah. And Priest obviously had great hot tag and all that good stuff, played his role. But Bad Bunny was the star of the show. Like, and I know that's probably going to rub some people the wrong way, but it's hard to deny it. I would argue... Screw those people. Yeah, I would argue it's the greatest celebrity match nay appearance in WWE history. You could argue that. It's I can't see anyone who's done better in the ring we had, as a celebrity I saw, um, I saw the McAfee conversation last night. Yeah, um, he's an athlete, A lot of people though, saying he yeah. wasn't quite at that same level. And I'm like, that's fine. Because that was a singles match with a great singles worker. Like, he had to do something different and had to raise it to a different level. For what it was, for the stage again, for the style of match, I thought Bad Bunny absolutely nailed it and then Cesaro and Seth Rollins I mean it Cesaro got a proper singles match he got to sell an injury it worked into the story of the match the UFO spin is one of the coolest things that's happening in wrestling right now yeah. uh the, the winning it I, I maybe didn't need people to kick out of a neutralizer and a pedigree earlier in the match it's not a main event it didn't need finisher kickouts necessarily but yeah I, it was a brilliant mid-card mania match. Just a little, a little bit like how I felt about Seth and KO last year. But it didn't need all the crazy stuff. It was just good. It was just real, real good sports entertainment. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. Like I knew that Seth Rollins and Cesaro was going to be a great match. So, you know, call me a call, <laughs> call me a, a, a psychic. But uh, Rollins and Cesaro, like it would be hard push for them to have a bad match. But I still felt like on the stage of WrestleMania, Cesaro getting his first real single spotlight, it was really good. Really good. Like the way Cesaro fired up on the home straight was excellent. Um, you know, obviously the whole match was essentially about building to the swing because Rollins hates it so much. So again, they teased that well throughout. And then once it was finally delivered, it was great. Uh, Rollins working over the arm to try and like negate the swing. There was all lots of really nice, good stuff in there. So um, for a match slap bang in the middle of the card, I thought, again, it was excellent. Like they, they delivered exactly what we needed them to. Al, Mania, night two, big takeaways. What's your headline? Oh, God. Um, I mean... The juxtaposition at the end of the card is probably where I'll start because the opener between The Fiend and Randy Orton was something. <laughs> and obviously the main event, you know, we'll talk about what a classic that was in detail later on. You know, as far as the triple threat format goes, I thought they did an excellent job of, of paying that off with all three men looking absolutely excellent. But the opener... It's uh, one of those things where Randy Orton and The Fiend, bearing in mind, Randy Orton burnt The Fiend to death. I'm, I'm going to let that sentence breathe. He burnt him <laughs> to death. <laughs> but then he just came and back that, and was fine again, right? And that will that built to a singles match. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, things really escalated. Um, but what, it's just a bit weird, uh, the whole thing about it that I don't really understand would be that... Okay, the Alexa Bliss part of it is fine. Right? And, and she, the crowd she... got into that. Like, when she popped up on top of the box and the black ooze started flowing, they went nuts. They, they did, but, like, for the visual rather than 
the sense. Like, I don't think we could really sit here and actually break down what happened. I've seen that Bray tweeted out an hour ago a picture of Samson being betrayed by Delilah, basically insinuating that Bliss betrayed him last night. Now, I don't know. I'm sure the story needs to be fleshed out, right? But Alexa, like, reached out to him. He reached out to her. Is this a Sister Abigail thing? I really don't know. Either way, this gave Randy Orton the opportunity to land an RKO. And apparently now, it's only one finisher you need to put the Fiend down. Um, After he survived everyone's finishers last year about 20 times. It's fine. (laughs) It just takes one RKO now. Um, What I would have liked to have seen was for him to have got RKO'd, kicked out but then gone back to focusing on Alexa, like almost like Randy didn't matter. And it took Randy doing it four or five times to finally get him to, to get the one, two, three, but at no point, basically just have Bray Wyatt be so focused on Alexa that he couldn't fight back kind of thing. But I, I just I, don't know what the fiend is now. Like, do you so know what not, I mean? Like what, what are they trying to do with him? I don't understand. I think my kind of problem with it is that, that felt like a match from a Raw or from another pay-per-view. It didn't feel like the finishing of something at Mania, the uh, build which had been, you know, whether you like it or loathe it, it actually had a long-term build. And I do think some of the stuff on this card suffered from being a very good match, but the story around it didn't necessarily carry off. I, don't, I like stuff like, you know, Seamus and Riddle was great, but how great would that have been with a proper two-month build to it. Um, I, I feel like this had the great build, but not the great match. Similarly with with Kevin and Sammy. Like, it was the gimmicky ending that kind of really caught the attention. The match was good. It was great yeah. even. But it just, you know, you know those two can deliver more with a proper story to tell. I felt like this had a story to tell, but not the match to go along with it. And the crowd did go wild for the ending. And I think that, there is a conversation that maybe after Raw tonight will be bigger on it. We'll be bigger on the whole way they're going with it. There'll be something interesting with Alexa Bliss happening. But right now, it's just a bit of confusion. It doesn't feel like it should have been on Mania. And look, I'm going to put this out there as well, Al. I'm going to make a promise to our fans that you're going to be able to back out of because we're pre-recording this show a couple of hours beforehand because of our later start time. But I think, because the podcast comes out on Wednesday morning... We record uh-huh. a little extra bit for the podcast talking about the Raw After Mania. I don't think we have to do it every week, but I think because it's the Raw After Mania, we should do a little extra little bit. That makes all the sense in the world to me, William. Uh, very it. much very much down for that. I love a Raw After Mania. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of two parts of what you just said, right? The Fiend and the Orton story really should have climaxed at WrestleMania, but now... And you say, yeah, the crowd went mad for it, but every like virtually 95% of, of Twitter, for whatever sample size you want to consider that, was just perplexed. Like, well, what is it? I guess it looks like Alexa Bliss has turned on Bray, but it wasn't exactly clear either. Like, everyone was kind of very confused about how everything went down. It would be very cool if it is explained and fleshed out on Raw. But like you said, really, you expect this to climax at Mania. Right, that's especially right, and I I said this last night. Orton took the WWE title from Wyatt at WrestleMania 33 after infiltrating the Wyatt family, being the tag champions, burnt down his outhouse or whatever it was. Right, (laughs) then when this uh, this this feud restarted with the Fiend obviously coming back to 
to get all of the people that wronged Bray during that first run, Orton obviously being one of the prime targets, Orton burned him to death, right? And he was off for four months. And then he comes back at WrestleMania, well, fast lane, to then get into WrestleMania, and he loses again. Like, what has Bray Wyatt got to do in this feud to win now? Like, he's, he'd have to win for like four years straight just to make it even. Or so. I, I don't know what the direction is. And, I, and I'm okay with that sometimes, right? The ride, I like it. It's just that this one just feels a bit like, I don't think they even know. And it's all just a bit strange. It, I, I don't hate what happened, to be clear. It's just, I don't know what the story is doing. It's just very right. weird. Right, let's um, let's move on because we could be on this for hours. Uh, yes. We got you know Bailey turning up backstage with Eric Bischoff and, and Hogan and Titus, and I mean Bailey again, brilliant. Uh, I'm not sure I needed any of the rest of it, uh, and that was pretty much the case of Bailey for the rest of it. We'll get on to her later appearance, which just made me angry. Sure, we will. Uh, yeah. The women's tag championship. I mean, this was slightly better than I expected. That didn't mean it was good. That's about as good as you can explain it, Will. Like, Let's move it on then. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great by any stretch, but um, it it wasn't bad either. It's just it's just one of those things, right? Like for a cold tag match, I thought it was decent. There you go. So we then get into Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and I thought this was you know first time. I was amazed it's the first time ever that we've had a takeover match run back at Mania. Like, that's the first time that's happened, which I was slightly surprised by. But they went after each other. They have brilliant chemistry, as they always do. They told a good story, both within the terms of what they were doing, but also in terms of playing off their history with one another, uh, having things like the Michinoku driver turning up, even though Michael Cole... Called it the wrong name it. and yeah. uh, uh, got basically. I loved that he got called out for it during the commentary, but he said it's to protect you from Twitter later. I'm like, no, it's not. It's to call you out for being rubbish. Um, I think that it was real, kind of just you know nuts to the wall out there, really going for it, which I really, really enjoyed. That it was kind of like a, a pro wrestling guerrilla style match at Mania, which was really good fun. Um, I just, like I say, I just it it couldn't elevate itself beyond that because it was less than ten minutes and there wasn't a proper story in terms of the current storyline to it. No, there wasn't at all. Like there wasn't a storyline to lean on where you could factor in some of their history or recent storyline logic to 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 marry it up. There wasn't any of that. But I think you've perfectly said it. PWG it was very much like that. Just balls to the wall. Both men doing their big moves and kind of popping the crowd frantic pace. I really enjoyed it, right? Just from a entertaining standpoint, watching them put it all out there, just try and tear the house down. And in just short of 10 minutes, I, I felt they did literally about as well as they could have done. Like it's hard to have expected any more. And then we got the finishing sequence where Logan Paul gets stunned. Mission accomplished. Really? I, I feel like from what WWE gave them, those two knocked it out of the park as much as they possibly could have. So, yeah, thumbs up from me. Yeah, exactly. And this is it. The, uh, much like this was at a very similar level to the next match we're going to talk to talk about for me and uh, Cesaro and Rollins from the night before. And, and yeah. all of them were really good, but none of them kind of maybe were at the very 
top tier of where a Mania match can be. And yeah, you not, think not about... all-time classics. That's probably fair. Like, you know, they're not going to be remembered for years and years, are they? But they were really good. And it's kind of why I feel like this entire card, when we go across the two nights and we reflect on it in the future, we'll talk about two astonishing main events, a brilliant opener to night one, but then a lot of good between. No, not necessarily any real dire negative stuff, but I think that's what will hold it back from being a kind of all-time great mania in the kind of top five conversation, because it will miss that kind of one or two mid-card matches that elevate. Uh, we were up to the point where we started talking about the singles matches, uh, the, the, the mid-card title matches, but I'm going to flip it and I'm going to say let's jump on because we've left it long enough already to talking about Reigns, Brian and Edge. Three guys who we had two retired and thought they'd never wrestle again while the other beat leukemia coming into a match where almost all three of them were playing heel in terms of how the promos worked and 21 minutes roman reigns the eventual winner after hitting a concerto on both edge and brian he pinned both of them which should have annoyed me from a perspective of technically edge was pinning daniel bryan but i was fine with it it was (laughs) just i thought this was supreme top end pro wrestling on the biggest stage of all it was absolutely staggeringly good it really was the action was fast uh, f- you know frantic never let up but it also like the big moments breathe which i thought was great uh we- we've talked about this before the triple threat format how difficult it can be to navigate right like in terms of oh you'll have two people working in the ring and then the other one's got a cell on the outside and it's just a, a revolving door in that aspect these guys didn't really do that. They, they they had a connection to everything, be it Roman trying to put Brian through the announce table edge and uh, then appears and hits the spear. Everything kind of lent itself into the other. Back in the ring, Edge gets the cross face on. It's like, wow, you know, he's going for Daniel Bryan's move. Then Daniel Bryan gets in, doesn't break it up though. He looks in the cross face and there's two of them. Then they start headbutting each other because they want to be the one to tap out Roman Reigns. It was so, so good. Uh, that it was spot. awesome. Like, it was awesome. Honestly, honestly, Al, that spot with the one doing the cross face, one doing the yes lock and then them headbutting each other. I watched that back this morning at like 6.30 in the morning when I got up uh, to get ready for work. And I had the biggest grin I've had on my face watching WWE main roster pro wrestling that I can remember at any time recently. Like I was bouncing and jumping out of my chair at how good that was. It was fantastic. You had the... Sorry, I, love I, I want to say the, as well, I, I thought uh, Jey Uso was really well used in this match as well, by the way. Yeah, the way he was used early on, but the way he was then taken out of the match. I, I, I love that you pointed out the edge spear, which kind of came out of nowhere. You had another similar one where uh, Daniel Bryan came in with the Suicida, which was out of nowhere as well. And, and they used the triple threat in the right format in those situations. The double spear spot where they just absolutely brutally oh, smashed into shoulder, each other shoulder. in midair yeah. was, uh, it just, it made sense. It looked brutal. There was real heat with uh, Brian when he was going for the running kicks and doing the yes kicks. There was, I thought that just every spot made sense. Everything came together. The only thing I'd say is that this would be a five-star match if it had a big WrestleMania moment at the end. I know that maybe they had to hold off for the sake of knowing where they want to go with it, knowing how healthy both Brian and Edge are, how long they're going to be in it, how where they want to take the Reigns story, all of that involved as well. 
But if you'd ended it up with Edge winning the title at the end and holding it aloft and having that as the closing Mania moment, I'd say this was the first five-star match on a Mania in, in some time. And for me, even though you got the big moment on night one, the, the, the actual match itself just edged the night one main event for me. I don't know. I really don't know. It's, like I said, it's very close. It oh, is yeah. Very close. I'm, ta- and, I'm talking and, about like and... one being a four and three quarter star match and the other being a four and a half star. That's I'm talking about them being tight, but this just edged it for me. I, I've got, I mean, for me, I've got them both at five stars. I don't know whether I'm too generous or not, but I mean, obviously, I adore all three competitors in the triple threat, and to see them doing their best work is just, you know. It, obviously I can't help but love it even like Brian's suicida to the outside that Reigns catches him and gives him the belly to belly like e- everything was just so magnificently smooth and well done but make no mistake about it this is about Roman Reigns you said it you, you alluded to it there Will Edge is obviously back on this one last run Brian if you if you believe him is in the winter of his career because his WWE contract is up this year and he obviously wants to be a very present father. He'll probably return at some point. But in the here and now, it's about Roman. He's their day in, he's their day out. He's the number one uh, guy in the company and a lot of people have probably come to their senses and realised deservedly so. If the goal is to keep the dominant tribal chief going until he can face The Rock next year, at WrestleMania. I'm not saying he has to hold the belt the whole entire time, but these milestone moments are important. I can totally understand, in Vince McMahon's mind, that's a very dangerous sentence, but I can totally understand (laughs) why he might think it's about Roman Reigns here. I have to put my stock in Roman Reigns. Because for the greater good, if he does face the rock down the line, that is by far the biggest match WWE can put out. So to me... I, I understand it and I love what they did in that triple threat. The only reason I have such love for the women, you mentioned it, you mentioned it the climax obviously is, is magical. It's one of those all-time moments. But I actually do think the work in the match is pretty underrated. All the things that Sasha did to oh. accentuate just how strong Bianca is. They had some of those moments that, you know, we just spoke, spoke about it then. I don't think every wrestling fan is going to be like, Oh, do you remember when um, Edge and Roman transitioned out of this or whatever? But the walking with Sasha in Gorilla Press up the steps, oh. people will remember that for a long time. There, so, there's a so, lot of those moments in the match like that. The hair I whip. Think part, part of it for me in the hair whip, the welts, oh, amazing. But yeah. what? Yeah. So the, my, my kind of feeling on that is, is that I never... I, I, I like to think, and I think a lot of wrestling fans think this, that I don't necessarily get got by near falls not regularly but when i do and when i fall for one i love it and i'll tell you when edge hit the spear and roman didn't move and daniel bryan dragged the referee out i thought that was the legit finish i thought that was going to be the moment that edge won the title i think that that maybe takes the fact that i said this on yesterday on yesterday's show but it wasn't one-sided to be anchor, but actually they made they made her look so strong that I didn't necessarily ever buy Banks winning it. We could have done with a nice big uh, like bank statement spot, which stayed in for a while, where it looked like she was going to fade and she fought back from it, or something like that, just yeah. to have given it maybe that little bit of edge. But I don't want to. I we are nitpicking on what were yeah, two brilliant yeah, yeah. main events to a WrestleMania that is that stands up to a test, and we're going to talk about the other few matches we not mentioned yet. Uh, but I think that from everything that happened in this match, I I loved it. I just it really really yeah. got me, and I uh, I would happily see these guys go at it again. I'm intrigued. You, 
you said about like what, the pull a pull a Benoit Michaels and Triple H and do it well, again are, are, are they, I don't know if about backlash, but I mean, are they going to be doing Roman? If they don't do Roman holding the title all the way through until next year, and I loved that, by the way, Roman got booed. Like, Roman actually yeah. got the proper response. Boo heels, cheer faces, well done, Tampa Bay crowd. You did us proud on that front. The yeah. Like, this felt like the perfect opportunity to have him drop it and pick it back up again because of the triple threat, because of the stage, because of the history, all of that stuff. I don't see another person on the roster right now who I sensibly see him dropping it to without shenanigans. Yeah, me neither. Um, And I do think there's an amazing list of potential foils on SmackDown because I do think that roster is just absolutely stacked and deep. You know, this is the beauty of the triple threat as well. You can still get Roman and Edge one-on-one. You can still get Roman and Daniel Bryan if you want that. There's Big E who's waiting in the wings now and has just been freed up from the mid-card picture. You've got, uh, you know, Kevin Owens, we've already had that, but Sami Zayn is also lurking around, has been doing great work. Um, SmackDown is, is Cesaro, Seth Rollins. There are so many options for Roman Reigns moving forward. Like, I, I, it's a matter of time before Rollins and Reigns clash. Right, well, they, you could do that at SummerSlam if you were sensible, I think. Um, you know, if Brock Lesnar ever returns, there's a built-in story with Paul Heyman there. Samoa Joe is coming off the commentary desk, we've learnt today. My God, him and, him and Roman, with this storyline, could do amazing things with the whole Tribal Chief stuff. Like, that's, who he's, that's who he can drop it to. Fine, I'll have it. He can drop it to Samoa <laughs> Joe, I'm all right but, but do you know what I mean? That's a year's worth of opponents right there, Will. Like, you know, I know it's, it's probably daunting to be like, oh, he's going to hold it all that long. But that's a year right there. And I would be entertained with all of it. We're going to round off night two now with three matches remaining on the card. And this is the moment where you go from calling me a consummate professional to being an absolute disgrace. Because there's only (laughs) one match I've not watched from WrestleMania so far as someone who couldn't stay up for night two. So, Al, talk to me about the Raw Women's Championship. Oh wow! This is the one you haven't seen. So um, it's because so... it's it's because I went and watched the main event first because I didn't want it spoiled, okay. and then I went back to the start of the card and I got through everything else except that. Ah, victim of positioning. No, it, it, obviously it was a thirteen-minute encounter for Rhea Ripley, Asuka. Uh, fairly cold build, fairly. I mean, WWE still managed to produce a decent video about it, to be honest, considering it was just three weeks worth. But the talent involved in this match, you knew it was going to be decent. We had speculated coming in. Asuka obviously didn't have a lot of steam as Raw Women's Champion. WWE hadn't booked her to be particularly strong or a memorable reign. And that's not her fault. But as a result, it made the sense that Rhea would potentially go over here. Um, It was a really kind of hard-hitting affair the crowd weren't really into it which you know sucked a bit of life out of what was going on Rhea was trying to assert her dominance and ask her it was a very technical kind of uh you know grueling affair in the sense that each women were trying to get the one up on each other uh eventually though the finish was pretty sudden uh you know Oscar came back off the ropes Rhea got her into the riptide one one and done. There was no kickouts. Got the finisher in. One, two, three. New Raw Women's Champion. So, you know, it was a good moment for Rhea. I don't want to be harsh, but I just don't think it was maybe the greatest match for either women. Like, uh, I don't know if they will consider this at the top of their careers in terms of performances, but moments 
it was definitely good. And the crowd did warmly receive Rhea as the champion, which is, I guess, the be-all and end-all. And it means that we are set up with the the last two in the Rumble, with Rhea and Bianca carrying those two brands forward. Is that I, I saw that thing, uh, somebody tweet, it might have been our friend Rick Uccino tweet, that you know it's the first time in however many years that the women's champion isn't one of the four horsewomen or Ronda or Asuka. Like, uh, I think it was since August 2018, <laughs> that's possibly. A, when That's a stretch. <laughs> but, I think, but I think if you go back to... We're talking about three years, nearly. Two and a half years where it has been held between that group. And they are, yes, the very, very top tier. But the point I is... is that's that, true. <laughs> I, I think it is. I think it's August 2018 when Alexa Bliss dropped the title. Dropped it to Ronda. To Ronda, I think it's been right. Ronda, Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha. Uh, that that Becky. was the last one I had in mind was Alexa Bliss, but Carmelo had it uh, around 2018 as well. Um, but yeah, I, I hear you the last few years. But again, there's nothing wrong with that, really. That's no, seven the, point, different the point women is, is that we've about. now got new women, new blood. It, that, that, like, regardless yeah. of how much we're discussing that, it's the new blood that's the point of it. We are there. We've now got them, them uh, like at the very top of the card, and they are an exciting pairing to be leading those women forward. And there's, you know, the possibility of EO coming up from NXT, I think is definitely something we could be seeing this week after she dropped the title. Uh, You know, from what Rhea was telling us last week, even though Raquel's just won the title, I don't think she's long for NXT. I think she'll come up reasonably soon. She very much suits what, you know, Vince McMahon likes to see in a female superstar, but she is good with it as well like much more in the charlotte rhea ripley mold like the women's division is set up to be really good for the next few years having already been top tier for a while well yeah and you've got to factor in becky lynch and ronda rousey probably returning uh, in the near future as uh, president nick khan did say heading into wrestlemania so you add them into the mix as well and it's just yeah there's a lot going on i think i'd always said that i thought that they had to make bianca at this WrestleMania. As soon as Rhea Ripley was in the match as well, same thing. I thought that they had to make her. In fact, my original pitch was a triple threat between Charlotte, Asuka and Rhea, with Rhea being made way back in, I think I said that in about February. So I'm glad that they have done that because these are two women that are not just like, and with all respect to anybody else, Carmella in particular, when they gave her the money in the bank win, it was almost like an experiment, right? Like they're trying to see if they can feed people into that main event slot. But these Rhea Ripley and, and Bianca, yeah, Ripley is still 24, which is staggering. But you, you think about those two, they can be absolutely plugged into main event caliber for the rest of their careers now. That's that's where they belong. You add them in with the four horsewomen, uh, you, the other women that we've mentioned. That's a lot of big time matches that Raw didn't, or, and SmackDown, didn't previously have. So I, I mean, to be fair, they needed this injection, Will, because you look at the Raw women's division, that's been sleepwalking for a while. Not the talent, but the booking. It, it needed this spice up, really, this injection of talent. And that's the, the beauty of having NXT. Probably the greatest women's division in the world. So if Vince McMahon can utilise that, as he should, man, it's, the future is going to be amazing. It really is. Uh, lovely stuff, right? We've got a couple of minutes each to talk about the mid-card title matches. I'm going to start off with Riddle against Sheamus. And... Listen, I, I, Seamus, I love him getting the win here. I love him getting the gold. He's been so good for such a while. 
it was a shame that for me this was Riddle's best match on the main roster and it was when he dropped the title because I thought he was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't have been mad if Riddle had kept it at all. I would have understood that from a booking perspective. Sheamus is the guy that can give you that great match now. He's worked the last 12 months. I think it's pretty much universal opinion. He's been doing some great stuff, arguably the best of his career. So you put him in there with Riddle, a, a hard-hitting guy. I told I watched uh, WrestleMania last night. My missus sat with me for a little bit. And when Riddle was on there, I said, he used to be in UFC. She was like, really? I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know he doesn't look like he's a killer, <laughs> but he was on like a five feet win streak before he left. Um, and, and that's the thing. He can have these hard hitting matches. It seemed like with the finish, which was excellent, by the way, the moon uh, springboard moonsault into the bro kick, which caught him square in the mouth. Like, yeah, can, we, no, can we just mention no fakes commentary? Sort yourselves out. If in that yeah. moment you go bro kick and you shout bro kick as he flies through the air, it becomes a huge moment. Instead, we get, oh, he caught Riddle. One, two, three. I think that was a brogue kick. Not good enough. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, not good have, enough. If I'm Vince, they, I'm they, must, they must have known as well that that was the finish, right? Mm-hmm. Like commentators typically do. Anyway, uh, I think the finish was great to a great match. It was very good. I, I, it would have been great if he could have hit the Irish curse on the top. I know that he really recovered very well. Seamus did because... He lost his foot in. After slipping, holding on to him was sensational. I was about to say, he took care of him literally the best that he could have done. So the match just would have been obviously even greater with that moment, but still very good stuff. Uh, I'm happy for Seamus. It's been a long road for him, doing the best work of his career, fought his way back. Very happy to see him kind of get his flowers. And there'll be more for Riddle. Like there is more for him in store. Hopefully though, with the finish, as I was trying to, to say earlier, maybe this is leading us into a more serious, refined riddle. Um, in ring, at the very least. It's fine doing what he does backstage. But in ring, he needs to be able to show, I am the real deal. I can I can dial it up. And, and I think we got that last night. I also think commentary dropped the ball on the next match as well with Big E and Apollo Crews. As much as I thought it was really fun, really hard hitting. You know, they only went for about seven minutes and it was like uh, absolutely all out there. But... I the ending not seemingly knowing who Dabakato was and oh what the link God. might be and why that is significant that like that I just another ball drop for me just it was a oh. it wasn't like it was going to be a big main event type moment but it was a moment that they missed on Michael Cole being like who is that well you were, you know he was on Raw literally last September face to face with Braun Strowman in the ring. And in the Kevin Owens segment, you know who he is. I know what they're trying to do, right? Like, I don't know if I don't know if he's even going to be called Dabakato at this point. Like, they might rebrand him under Apollo. I don't know, but it was just silly, like an insult to a lot of the fans who clearly knew who he was. Um, but also the match... to the more casual fans who need, you know, bit telling. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, to paint the picture, don't you know, act silly. But at the same time, this match was the second shortest. The whole entire WrestleMania weekend. I was just a bit like, I wanted more for Big E. You know how we feel about him here. I wanted more for him. And I I had said that I felt Apollo Crews had to win. And the match itself was fairly fun. You know, kendo sticks are plenty and all of that good stuff. And we've got Big E spear through the ropes, which is always visually impressive. It's just... if, if the, I don't feel like the direction was ever really there, right? It was He was 0-5 
to then get this title shot and win at WrestleMania. Dabakato helps him. Did they make it up as they went along? Kind of felt like it. Uh, I would have liked more for both men involved. But still, for the sprint that they were allowed, I thought they did great. Our WrestleMania review on the Talk Wrestling podcast on the Fight Night feed here on Talk Sport. Hear Talk Wrestling every Monday night on Talk Sport 2 with some of the very best guests from the world of wrestling, including former WWE commentator. Many of you will have known her for a long time as host and commentator Renee Young. Now going by her actual name, Renee Paquette. She's got a cookbook. She's got a podcast. She's doing all sorts of fantastic work. So Talk Wrestling's Alex McCarthy caught up with Renee this past week. It's funny, you know, I feel like I was kind of thinking about that today. Like I was walking home from my doctor's appointment and I was like, man, it's been like, what a good year to like be making a baby, having a baby almost on the way. My cookbook is going to be out in just over a month. Um, I've got my own podcast, which has been doing really well and thriving and just like continuing to grow. And I've been getting such great guests and really fun interviews. And I just feel like I'm really kind of like hitting a great stride of getting back into Renee Paquette instead of Renee Young. And, you know, it's, it does take a little bit of a transition and a little bit of time to be like, who am I again? What am I doing again? What do I want to do again? Um, So it's just kind of getting that footing back together. And yeah, like you said, it's like doing all these things while pregnant. Um, And luckily I've had a great pregnancy. So it's been easy enough for me to still kind of keep moving full steam ahead on all these other projects. I see you've adopted the, the John Moxley way of doing interviews with the handheld at home. <laughs> <laughs> Normally I do it on my computer, but I'm like comfortable on my couch right now. So <laughs> I've had yeah. him, I've had him in the garden before and he has like, you know, he does not like down here. He, he does like find an angle. I'll at least try to like find a bit of an angle. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, let's talk about the cookbook to begin with. Uh, I believe it is messy in the kitchen. My Guide to Eating Deliciously, Hosting Fabulously, and uh, Sipping Copiously. Copious is a great word, by the way. I'm glad that you rammed Isn't that in there. Isn't it a great word? <laughs> I have the book right here. There this it is. is. My first interview I've done actually holding the book. <sighs> I'm Amazing. so pleased. Yeah, look at that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, when, when you actually see it come to life like that in front of you, because um, I imagine at one point where you thought, I might just do a cookbook, and you think, Oh, but you know, there's so many chefs and there's, you know, whatever in the market. And you think, is there really a place for me? And now, you know, everyone loves Renee, Renee Paquette and her food habits uh, being discussed (laughs) widely. So how pleased are you of the way it's turned out? It's crazy. It is really true. It's like, you know, I kind of, I sort of sprinkle that throughout the book a lot of like a reminder of like, hey, I'm not actually a writer, (laughs) nor am I actually a chef. But this is a total passion project for me. It's so much fun. It has so much of my personality, like really spread throughout it. And that's what was the most fun for me of doing it was like reconnecting with writing. Cause I've not been able to write my own content for so long. It has nothing to do with wrestling. Mm-hmm. It is just about me being me in my kitchen and spending time with, with my husband and with my family and with my dogs and just spending time in the kitchen, keeping your wine glass topped up. And, uh, and just enjoying yourself in the kitchen. But that was, you know, the, the idea of like working on this book and then getting together with the publishers and not having them edit me. They were just like, yeah, I mean, of course they're edits and they clean it up and make it look like an actual book, but they didn't put any kind of a filter on me. They didn't try to make me be who they thought 
Renee Young turning to Paquette was. They just let me like do what I wanted to do. And like, I could not be more grateful for that. That's so cool as well. Like, you know, you said it there as well, how the cookbook kind of is. It's not necessarily like, here's your ingredients, right? And and you can make this dish. It's more about, uh, is it like the fun you kind of have just making your food and being creative and stuff you can do at home, I guess. It's a bit about you too, right? Yeah, and it is, it, for me, it does feel like a creative outlet. Like I love, it's one thing to like unwind on the couch and just like put on a TV show or a movie and zone out where like, I like to do things. I like having different little projects. And if that's trying a new recipe that I've never done before, um, that's something I love to do. Like I, I don't, I'm not like a 15 minute meal kind of gal. I want to be in there. I want to have something braising and stewing and like just have this big payoff at the end. I mean, not all the recipes are like that, but some of them are like that where it's like, yeah, hang out in the kitchen for a bit and enjoy yourself and put on some music. And, you know, that's sort of another cool aspect of the book too, is that there's QR codes at the back of the book with, um, with some playlists that I put together to kind of set the mood, set a little ambiance. Um, but yeah, it's, it does feel like a, a creative outlet to me to, to be in the kitchen and, chopping things and just nailing a recipe is really exciting for me. And when I started doing the book, I've never been one to like mess around with like making my own doughs. I have done it before, but I'd always be like, Oh my God, it feels like so much work to make your own dough and mm. working with yeast and wait for things to rise and to set. And now I'm like, Oh, it's no problem. I feel so much more confident in the kitchen after having written this book. Obviously, you've been in using WWE for many years and I enjoyed the stuff that you did there. I think the first real thing where I felt like, wow, like, you know, I really got an insight into your personality was maybe unfiltered. Like that was probably oh, yeah. that was probably the first thing. And I remember, you know, I think you're hanging out backstage with Jericho and you're kind of just talking about Canadian stuff. And then you're in a coffee mm-hmm. shop. And I thought, wow, like it was a real window into you as opposed to yeah. who you're meant to be on WWE TV, if that makes sense. Um how fulfilling was that? And also, you know, we talked about pitching earlier. Was there any other shows that you really kind of went hard for and you're like, you know, this would be great if we did this and it just didn't work out? Yeah, I mean, when I started doing Unfiltered and Unfiltered was something that I did really enjoy doing. There's stuff that I would have changed to it. Um, I wish that we had a longer format. I wish we had more time. Um, I wish that it was more unfiltered. I think (laughs) not that the name was like misleading, but like we could have really delved into more. And, you know, I think when I started doing unfiltered and we were all doing it at WWE, it was like, you know, the network hadn't been around for all that long. It's like, I had my interview show and Corey Graves had an interview show and JBL had an interview show. We were all doing the same show. Mm. So it's kind of hard to let those things have legs or to have them stand out when we're just producing all the same content with all the same talent all the time. Um, so that, that always felt like a bit of a hurdle to me. Um, but yeah, as far as like other things that I pitched, I never, so I never like made like a hard pitch for this per se, but I like floated the idea out there um is to bring back Tuesday Night Titans that's something that I always really wanted to host it's something that I just think could be such a success and something that you could really have a lot of fun with and the thing that that I see too is like you know all the all the performers in WWE everyone's so multifaceted and they're so talented 
there's so much stuff you can do with people outside of just their character in the ring. And that's something that I really like to showcase. And even with doing my podcast, I like giving people that platform to like, tell us more about your story and where mm. you come from and the other things that you're good at and the things that you do. Uh, Cause I just think they're all so interesting. Yeah. You and Lillian Garcia in particular are very, very good at that. I think Thank like you. getting into the window of, of people that we might not know. Um, but, but sticking with, you know, network shows and things that did really well. Talking yeah. Smack was a cult classic, wasn't it? Right. Like it, yeah. had, it had like this cult fan base that I was certainly a part of. And I think half of the magic was you and Daniel Bryan as a pair personally. Um, the format's great, but I think it matters too having you two there. Like, Oh, it 100% matters. Cause you know, there'd be times that like maybe Brian wasn't available or I'd be hosting, you know, we had a couple of rotating other hosts that would pop in and out of there. I mean, I really give a lot of that credit to Brian because he, I mean, I've not, I mean, I've not seen Brian in almost over a year now, but he, he, he just loves wrestling. He has so many opinions on it. <laughs> and he also sort of has this, like, I don't give an F attitude so he would say whatever he wanted. And that's what I think so much of the charm was. And I'd be like, oh my God, like, are we really going here right now? But like, he was just so perfect to tee up with, uh, with different opinions and different questions to throw his way, knowing where he was going to go off on something. So that was, that was a really fun chemistry to work with. I was furious when it was canceled. Um... Me too. I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm still pissed. <laughs> because <laughs> it's kind of back now right with Kayla and Heyman but um yeah. at the time everyone nobody could understand right everyone yeah I, I need to understand what was conveyed to you Renee like why the hell was that cancelled that nothing was conveyed to me it was just the show's cancelled it's done and I I feel like even at that point of like doing talking smack it's like I just feel like that has sort of been the story it's like stuff just comes and goes there so quick I mean whether it's even a storyline that you're following on Raw and SmackDown, you're like, okay, this thing's happening. Then all of a sudden it's just not happening anymore. And they expect everyone to just brush past it. Like, okay, never mind. I guess it wasn't a thing. Move on to another direction. And from Unfiltered being canceled, Talking Smack being canceled, me doing um, the show with Fox Sports, having that be canceled. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I can't catch a break right now. So it just seems like, and I don't even, oh, what is happening? Sorry, I was getting a call coming through. I just had to <laughs> shut that down. Real it quick. is like, What happened? Yeah. Um, but I feel I, I don't take those things necessarily personally. It's like almost just a fickleness of, you know, because, yeah, I mean, Talking Smack did well. I feel like we were told that it didn't do well. And I don't know that that's true because it's the thing that most people want to talk to me about. Mm. is talking smack and i love doing it and you know when you're doing something and it just you know you're doing something interesting and cool and i think that show was that but i also think it could have been a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain that wwe wasn't quite comfortable with us doing at that point in time they seem to have gotten more comfortable with it now and really realizing that using talking smack for that platform to really help talent come out and cut promos without scripts and figure out their character a little bit more on a different scale than doing it on raw or SmackDown or on a pay-per-view. It just, it gives people some, some legs to, I mean, whether it's Peyton Royce coming out and doing a promo or having big E or Cesaro, we've seen so many other people. I mean, the Miz when we were on there and it's just really been a great tool to propel people's careers or garner a little bit of interest. And I think we leave so much, 
of that creativity of, uh, of trying to get someone over to picking and choosing who that person is meant to be mm. as opposed to on talking smack where it's like, Oh shit, somebody can just get themselves over and they have that opportunity and the capabilities of doing that. I mean, that was the whole Ms. Brian thing. I'm sure WWE didn't mind it then <laughs> when it was they like, wow. Loved it then, so they loved it then, but then it almost became a thing of like, how can we do this every, not every week. So you don't want to kill it, but it's like, you realize the tool that you have. I'm walking to go plug in my phone. You realize <laughs> the tool that you have with talking smack. And it's like, yeah, it's just, it's picking and choosing those right moments and the right people to execute it. Cause not everyone's going to be able to have those outstanding moments, but you start to see more people really have those moments. And uh, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of executing roles, well, you mentioned it, right? WWE backstage. That seemed like such a fun thing that was going really cool, too. Now, we know the yeah. extenuating circumstances with the pandemic and how that affected yeah. everything going there. But uh, and I'm sure I speak for a lot of fans here. You on a major network, a lot of people were thinking mm, this could be where a young paquette belongs. Um, yeah. Was that how you was looking at looking at it at the time? Were you thinking, yeah, this this could be the gateway? It felt like that to me because I feel very comfortable in those environments. I love doing studio shows. I loved working with Fox. That whole experience was amazing. Um, but, you know, I think you go into things like expecting things to be one thing. Like you expect it to be new and you expect working, you know, in a different environment that's going to be new. But, you know, it still ends up coming from the same branch. So we were still trying to to you know, we're working with WWE. It wasn't not a WWE show. Um, so I think that that we, we sometimes got in our own way a little bit. It sort of just started to feel like a bit of another kickoff show. Yeah. I you know, know you where I, I feel like there would be moments when it felt like we were doing something different and cool and being able to have opinions, you know, being able to have someone like CM Punk on the show was huge. But then if you feel like you're not really using CM Punk for the reasons to have CM Punk on a show then what are we really doing? Mm, exactly. And that's another guy, by the way. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you knew him prior. Did you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I did. Yeah. Because um, I was going to say, you had great chemistry from the jump as well. Yeah, I loved working with Punk. I mean, that was one of those things when like, when he, so I had been talking to him prior about coming in to do the show. And I was like, there's no way <laughs> he's going to come in. But I was like, I'll reach out to him and see him. Like I'd not spoken to Punk and seven years mm. i mean since he left wwe I, I had not spoken to him like at all I, I wasn't really sure uh what that relationship was or you know if he wanted to be reached out to at all so once that name got floated to me i was like do you think cm punk would do it i was like i mean if we can get punk let's get punk let's do it yeah. so to reach out and then like to actually be able to have that happen and to have him yeah, I mean, I don't even mean like in the WWE world, but to have him in the wrestling world again was huge. And people love that and people want to hear from him. Um, so I think I, I wish that we could have done more. That's very cool that you was on the like the recruitment drive. Um, yeah. yeah, actually, even just like on the day that he came in that we were like debuting him on the show, there was only, I think, maybe three to five people that knew he was there. Nobody knew. Wow. I mean, real pay favory. Yeah, <laughs> everywhere. Um, yeah, because you had Paige and Booker and people like that. Like, did you have a say, or were they kind of just the, the uh, cast? A little bit. Um, you know, when I oh shit, when I first um, so when we started doing the show, 
it was, I was a for sure to come in and host that show as soon as we announced that we were even going to be doing this. That was mm-hmm. kind of from the jump. Um, so I was really pumped to, you know, just to have that opportunity right off the bat, obviously, where they're like, you're a girl, you're going to come in and host a show. Um, so we had done a bunch of auditions. We were bringing in shit, everybody. We had Taz, we had Jeff Jarrett, uh, we had Mark Henry, we had, uh, did Mickey James come in at one point? We had a bunch of people anyways. Yeah. We were just like, we were just trying any and all different chemistry combos. And yeah, I mean, I floated Booker's name out there where I was like, I, I mean, I love working with Booker T. He's, I just, I think he's just the best. I love his energy. I love hanging out with him. I love like throwing a question his way and just like seeing where the hell he's going to go with it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he was somebody that was the top of my list for sure. And, you know, we had been doing kickoff shows and stuff together before. So we had already had um, established our chemistry. And then with somebody like Paige, um, I mean, I'm all for let's have more women on the shows. Yes. Mm. Let's have like, I, don't make me the token woman. We can have more than one woman and we can get along and enjoy each other and make that show really cool. So um, her and I have just been dying to work together on something over the years, whether it was like, you know, if we wanted to do like a network show, like for WWE network or whatever, we just always enjoyed working together and have enjoyed each other. So um, yeah, with her not being on TV and not wrestling and all that, I was like, bring her in she i mean we all know she's got big opinions on things like let's give her a platform for it sure so, i mean since he's left wwe like i mean obviously you was already all in and then he's kind of gone well i'm really going to spread my wings now and he's been doing yeah. some crazy stuff like he loves it i know that it's like funny uh, people like to take amusement in your despair on twitter <laughs> um but i'm sure that despair is very real sometimes yeah, it can be certainly, especially when I'm not there and I'm just watching like everybody else. And I'm like, oh my God, please just like, I need him to like, give me like some kind of a signal on TV. And I don't know, <laughs> why have I not ever told him to do that? Yeah, I want to see I it. Should, I should actually, then, as speak of the devil, he shall call in the other line, just hung up on him. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I should do that. Just be like, give me some kind of a, sim- a signal when you're like, you know, and the match is wrapped that I know that you're not dead. <laughs> oh my God, why are you calling me so many times? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I do definitely. There's times when I watch them and I'm like, oh my, especially something like Bloodsport that's like, and against somebody like Josh Barnett and you know Josh's resume, you know where he comes from. It's sure. like, are you in over your head on this one? This one you might be in over your head. Uh, but he, I mean, it's something that he, he just loves doing, especially that match in particular. I mean, a year in the making for them to get to that point. I know how important it was for him to do that. And the thing is, is, I mean, obviously like health and safety come number one, but when I see this like energy from him and the excitement from him and what he does, uh, you can't deny that passion, you know, regardless of kind of what the outcome is. I know he's always, you know, dangerous and terrifying as always but <laughs> he chose his profession he's a big boy and i knew that when i married him so it is what it is it is what it is um a couple more here just before i know we have to wind down and i'll let john slide in um <laughs> so the commentary role right i know that you've spoken <laughs> about this many times in the past so it's not going to be a straight up like did you like it um but we've talked about the things that you do like right so was that more of just a challenge because it was presented to you that you thought, you know, well, history to be made here, all of that good stuff, learn a new craft. It's a big, you know, big deal. 
um, not was your heart not in it, but did you quickly kind of think like, oh, you know, I don't know if this is for me. How quickly did you realize? Pretty quickly. Um, I mean, it really was that thing of like, you know, when an opportunity like that gets floated your way and also, you know, even leading up to me doing commentary, like all I ever, like I'm always, I'm very much like, I want more. I want to do more. I want more on my plate. Like that's always sort of been my work ethic and point of view. So, you know, when I would keep kind of floating stuff out, whether I was talking to Michael Cole or to triple H or whoever that kind of seeing like, Hey, at some point they're going to put a woman on raw or SmackDown. And I do want it to be me. And I did mm. want it to be me at the time. And I felt like, you know, you know, when I first started doing commentary, I really was like, man, maybe this is the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. And all of this work that I've been doing leading up to this has kind of prepared me for this in the sense of like, you know, I never really, I, it's not that I even necessarily wanted to like be a broadcaster or that I necessarily was like, I want to be a wrestling broadcaster. These things all just kind of happened in a way. I mean, not through like lack of hard work or anything like that, but just like opportunities come up and you say yes to them and, and pursue them wholeheartedly and fall in love with these projects. So when the commentary thing came up and I was like kind of beating my head against the wall already, I'm like, I can't just sit here and just keep doing these like backstage interviews. I have to grow. I have to challenge myself. So when Michael Cole was like, Hey, we want you to fill in for coach in two weeks. I was like, okay, great. (laughs) And I was like pumped for it. Him and triple H pulled me aside and told me, I was like, all right, sweet. It was like a no pressure situation that I was like, I'll just fill in once and whatever, see what happens. Um, and I felt so confident going in and doing that first show. And I think that that showed and you could hear that because people seemed to really like it that yeah, like right off the bat, people were really into it. And I got a ton of support. Like the fact that Vince McMahon even like tweeted out after the show, I was like, did you <laughs> tag me on purpose? What, <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe that that happened, but I really felt like I was like hitting a stride and being like, this is what I need to be doing. This is going to be great. But then, you know, your confidence starts to waver. Too many people get in your head. And that first night that I did it, nobody fucked with me. They mm. just let me do my thing and they let me get my feet wet. And I was finding my voice and figuring it all out. So that all felt really great. But the more it started to, you start to feel these confines more and more of like, say this, do this, act like this. This is who you are on camera. And that was so far from what I really wanted to do. So I think I I just became my own worst enemy. I got in my own head. I was overthinking things. I think I was asking too many people's opinions about what I should be doing. And then like not really getting all that much advice. Because the thing is, is like doing commentary, um, you know, I'll even like reference Beth on this because Beth is doing a fantastic job. She's so great at it. And she just tweeted recently, she's like, yeah, I've been doing this for two years and I finally am starting to feel more confident and comfortable doing this. And it takes time. Mm. It really does take time. And I was not granted that time. I was thrown into doing raw, which hell, they're going to give you raw. You go and you do raw and it is what it is. But learning that craft and learning that pacing, uh, learning being a third man on a booth instead of the first um, in a chemistry of Michael Cole and Corey Graves, who were like, they didn't need a third. They've never needed a third. Hmm. So for me to be there and trying to find ways to interject, 
uh, I just felt like it was just, it was hard. I was miserable and I didn't enjoy it. I didn't feel like I was having fun. There'd be a few days that, you know, I shouldn't say a few days, but you know, every now and then you'd have shows. You're like, okay, that was cool. That was fun. But then there'd be other times I'm just like, this sucks. <laughs> I don't like this. I'm not having fun. And like, there's just so, there's just so many things that go into that. It's like talking in sound bites, which clearly I'm not good at. Cause I stammer on and on and on. <laughs> Talking in sound bites is impossible for me. Um, and yeah, trying to like get your elbows up and like fight for that TV time is not really my thing. I felt like I kind of had to do that. Um, calling my husband's matches was near impossible. That was a really tough hurdle. Mm. Um, yeah, there was just, you know, there were so many different things that kind of, and even just changing my voice. I had to try to like lower my voice a little bit to almost tease you want to fit in with the other two, you almost have to like harmonize to a certain degree. And it is just, there's so many things that go into it. So, I mean, I applaud people that do it and that are good at it. It's a tough gig. Um, but it's just, it's not the thing. I, it's not my passion. I don't really care to do it. Well, Renee, I really enjoyed finally getting the time uh, to pick your brain here on yeah. Talk, Talk Wrestling in the UK. Speaking of the UK, when do we get the cookbook? What date do you know? Um, I don't know if it's coming out later in the UK. It's May 18th here, but I feel like there may be some COVID delays perhaps. So the book is being printed in Canada. Mm. And um, I mean, I was surprised that I got my case of books the other day. So maybe that's a good sign that things are still going to be coming out on time. Fingers I, crossed. I will say that on Amazon, uh, on the .co.uk, it says 24th of June. So Worst case scenario. Jeez. Okay. Got. Well, it's coming. I mean, that does sound, that could be accurate. Cause <laughs> I, I, I've seen a couple different ones. Like I've had people message me that still says May 18th and then other people saying it says June 1st. So yeah, I mean, I guess just different regions and whatnot are um, trying to figure out the shipping and, and all that. So hopefully everything just makes it to doorsteps, nice and neat and packaged and everyone can enjoy the book and we won't have to wait too much longer. I feel like this has been a, Real long haul. <laughs> but we're on the home straight now, as you are yes. on many things. And when can people yeah. hear your episodes of Oral Sessions? You've got the YouTube channel uh, going as well. It's great. Yeah, I've got everything going. You guys can check out my YouTube channel, which is just under my name, Renee Paquette, if you just search it. And uh, my podcast, Oral Sessions, with me, Renee Paquette, <laughs> uh, that is anywhere that you guys get podcasts. We drop new episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and uh, we've got some really cool stuff lined up. The lovely Renee Paquette speaking with our very own Alex McCarthy. You can read a write-up of that on talksport.com forward slash wrestling. You'll hear the podcast, hopefully, in the future, but you'll hear the radio show every Monday night on TalkSport 2. So thank you for listening. Do give us a rating and a review. Al, top work from you, as always. Have we got anything we can tease for this coming week? We sure can. Somebody who won the title at WrestleMania will be speaking to us. Uh, we'll be on the show next Monday. And... Another champion I'll be speaking to the week after. So two things lined up. They're going to be great. One-on-one, -on -one solo time. Can't wait. Plus, this has been very WWE heavy. Don't worry. AEW Impact, New Japan, all British indie wrestling all get talked about on the show as well. So join us every Monday night. Thank you for listening. This has been Talk Wrestling in the Fight Night feed. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 